So our teaching series through this month of December with its kind of Christmas theme, we've called The Gift. You, you may have got that idea by the boxes that are here and the, the, all the boxes that are on the tree outside. We've been talking about The Gift, and I want to I take it on from there today and look at a different aspect of The Gift. Here's some history for you all from an Englishman, okay? You ready? When Lincoln was assassinated, his funeral train carried the coffin from Washington, D.C. to Springfield, Illinois. And on its way, it stopped in a certain amount of cities. And in each city that it stopped, he lay in state. And some significant person would give a eulogy in that city. And so they, on the course of that journey, the train stopped in Philadelphia, and his body lay in state in Independence Hall in Philadelphia. And the city chose a relatively young minister to give the eulogy, a man by the name of Phillips Brooks, who actually wasn't 30 years old even, and he had only recently arrived in the city to be the minister at Trinity Church. So Phillips Brooks had this outstanding Privilege, privilege and responsibility of eulogizing the president. Later that year, Brooks took a 12-month leave of absence from his church, and he traveled throughout the Holy Land. And traveling throughout the Holy Land, he eventually ended up on Christmas Eve in Bethlehem. And for him, it was such a riveting experience to be in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. It made a huge impact on him. It lived with him. And two years later, when he was back in Philadelphia, he wrote a poem. And then he talked to his church organist and said, do you think you could come up with a tune for this? And the organist composed the music, and Phillips Brooks' hymn will be sung all over the place again this Christmas time, remembering that Christmas Eve that was seared into his memory. And he penned the words, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Beneath thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and fears are met in thee tonight. And when hope and fear meet with Jesus, only one survives. Christ, the hope of the world. And today as we focus on the gift, Jonathan Bernard did a fabulous job last Sunday teaching on the gift of peace. He did a terrific job for us. And today I want to talk to you about the gift of hope. Christmas is about hope, God's gift of hope. Now, in that Bible passage that Charlotte read for us so, so very well, thank you so much, Charlotte, there's a verse there that stands out to me when we talk about hope. 
It's Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. And here's what the Bible says. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. You got that? All right, let's leave it there on the screen for a moment, and let's just say it together. You ready? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. All right, one more time. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Okay, what's in, how much is impossible with God? Nothing. nothing. With God, nothing is impossible. So, so that basically is the foundation of what I want to just remind you of today as we look at the fact that in that first chapter of Luke, the message of Luke chapter 1 is a message of hope. So it says there that with God, nothing will be impossible. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 19 and verse 26, it says this, with God, all things are possible. Nothing will be impossible. All things are possible. If you wanted a little bit more along the same vein, Luke chapter 18, verse 27. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. God's gift to us is the gift of hope because it says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? All things. With God, nothing will be impossible. With God, all things are possible. And, and that was part of the message of the angel to Mary in Luke's gospel. It's interesting when, when you, you listen sometimes to different passages of the scripture being read relating to the birth of Jesus. One of the first ones is often the passage that Charlotte read, and it begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, look at that verse for a moment. Now, because I'm a preacher, I, I look at Bible verses and I kind of look at them in some detail. Did any of you ever wonder, like, was it June then that the angel came? Or did, or did you ever really think about the fact it was in the sixth month? Of course, if it was June that the angel came, that would mean that Jesus was probably born in March. Oh, darn. Oh, no, it's good. We get to do this all over again, I guess, right? So, <laughs> it's, not, it's not talking about the sixth month. What, what, what actually, if you read the first half of that chapter, which we often overlook to jump to the angel coming to Mary, the first half talks about Elizabeth's cousin, sorry, Mary's cousin Elizabeth, being told that she is going to have a baby. And actually, the sixth month is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, the story of Elizabeth's pregnancy is a miraculous story as well. And it's about God doing things that were impossible. The whole of Luke 1 brings us a, a message of hope, and, and it's this. There are two key figures in it. Okay, the first is Elizabeth, and her story is about an old woman who had given up, to whom God gave new hope. 
And then Mary's story is about a young woman just starting out to whom God gave a far bigger dream than she'd ever had before. And the phrase that covers both stories is this one, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing. So I want to start by taking a look at Elizabeth's story, and then I want us to jump into Mary's story in the second half of the chapter. And then we'll probably have dinner because I will have gone right over your lunchtime. Okay, so, so I, I want to start with the first half of that chapter that's often omitted. And here's what we learn from that chapter. Don't give up. There's hope. Don't give up. There's hope. Christmas is the gift of hope through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's Word to some of you here this Sunday morning is very clearly this for today. Don't give up. There's hope. And God's Word that perhaps is something you're just going to keep in your back pocket because you're going to need it one day is don't give up. There's hope. Zachariah and Elizabeth are introduced to us as devout followers of God. They were both descendants from Israel's first high priest. But they were older and they were childless. And, 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 and great emphasis in that culture was put on having children. So much so that if you met people, it was totally appropriate. When you're introduced to someone as a stranger, it was totally appropriate to say, well, what's your name? And then the next question was, how many children do you have? And it was looked upon as being something quite negative, sometimes God's judgment, if people did not have children. So Elizabeth and Zechariah had lived all their lives with no children. Devout followers of God. And you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of this, folks. Faith does not insulate us. Faith does not insulate us from heartache, from trials, from difficulties. Faith will bring us through every crisis, but it will not shelter us from them all. Luke 1.6, Zacharias and Elizabeth were godly folk, careful to obey all of God's laws in spirit as well as in letter, but they had no children, for Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both very old. Godly people obeyed God's law in the spirit of it and in the letter of it, but they still had this thing that they couldn't have children. Psalm 34 and 19 says this, the good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too. But the Lord helps him in each and every one. That's the reality of how life is. Good people, godly people are still going to have struggles and trials and crises and and and. and disappointing things will happen. Sadness will come into their lives. That's part of the reality of our lives. But, but, the, but the promise of God here in Psalm 34 is, but the Lord helps him in each and every one. 
How many of you can say, I haven't been insulated from trouble, but the Lord has helped me, right? Isn't that true? The Lord has helped us in every one. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, it says this, dear friends, don't be bewildered or surprised when you go through the fiery trials ahead, for this is no strange, unusual thing that is going to happen to you. Peter said, there's going to be hard times for you. And if you're here today, you said, I came here for Christmas cheer. Thanks, Rog. No, no, here's the thing. The good news is that God's going to deliver you and be with you and keep you through them all. That's really what is the good news. I, I want to tell you this. There, there, were, there were years in my life where I was, I was really into the why me. Right? You all know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, why me? You know, I, you know, here I am, and I'm trying to serve God, and I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done the other, and, and, and when things don't go, you know, why, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? And I'm going to tell you, in all honesty, you know, it's taken a lot of years, but I don't go there very often nowadays. Because my journey has showed me time and time again God is good. God loves me. And God's way is best. And I want to tell you today, God is good. God loves you. And God's way is best. God knows. God understands. What was going on here with Zechariah and Elizabeth was that I said they descended from Aaron. Aaron, Aaron lived hundreds of years before. So I guess, you know, what happened now, the, the, the qualification to be a priest was you had to be a direct descendant from Aaron. So Zechariah was a priest. But centuries later, guess what? There, there, there were thousands of them. So it is estimated there were about 20,000 priests at this time. So basically what happened is groups of around a thousand got to serve twice a year for one week at a time in the temple. It was, it was, it was, the, it was the highlight of the year. Guys, it's like the opening day of hunting season. Right? It's like, yay, I've been waiting all year for this. And Zechariah gets his turn. So he goes up to serve at the temple with a whole load of other priests. And they do whatever priests did. And amongst other things, they offered sacrifices every morning and every evening for the sins of the people. And, and when the sacrifice was being offered, a priest was chosen to go into the inner part of the temple and to burn incense on the altar of incense. And the idea was outside the smoke that came from the people's sins was going up to heaven, but inside incense was being offered to make it sweeter. And what they did was they, they basically, you, you know, I don't know what they did, they picked straws to work out who was going to go in and who was going to offer the incense. And on this particular day, Zachariah got the short straw and he won. So he gets to go in and offer incense now before God. It was a huge deal. 
It would probably never happen again in his entire life. It was a big thing. So this was like the best day ever for Zechariah. But the fact is this, when he was in there offering incense, best day of his life, there was still a void in his heart because they were childless. Listen, faith does not insulate us. But I want to tell you this, the story doesn't end there. With God, nothing is impossible. So don't give up. Continue to hope. Continue to hope. Because here's my next premise. God is never late. God is never late. Now, my children reckon I owe them a substantial chunk of their li lives because of all the time we were early for appointments and sat around waiting. Because I like to. Now, now, you know, before the great plague hit us three years ago, as many of you know, I, I, I used to travel quite extensively. I, I've been blessed. I've, I've had the opportunity to visit and to share God's Word. I reckoned it the other day and probably in 20 different countries and uh, blessed by that opportunity. But, but I, I, over the years, I spent a lot of time flying. And, and of course, if you're flying any length of time, you've got all kinds of adventures that happen. But, but whatever, I, I always want to get to the airport in plenty of time, right? So if, if, if I'm driving to the airport, I'm going to leave in plenty of time. I generally say an hour and 15 to get to JFK. But then I think, but what if there's a delay? And what if there's an accident on the expressway? We all know how that goes. So you know what? I'm going to allow an hour and 45 minutes or so. And about the time I'm planning to go a few minutes earlier, I'm thinking, I'm just going to hit the road. You know? Who knows? There may be long lines going through security at the airport. And so, you know, I arrive and I get there, and on a good day, I get through everything, and I'm there, and I'm sitting down at the gate, and I've still got two hours. <laughs> now, I gotta say this, though. I like to be early, but waiting is not my strong suit. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, how long, how long, how long? Come on, come on, come on. But you know, the plane isn't late. I'm early. And sometimes it's like that with prayer, you know. God's not late. We're asking ahead of time. Oh, we think it should be now. We think it should be the immediate that he, that he answers our prayer. But the reality is it's okay. God, God's never late, folks. Oh, with our limited understanding, we think, you know, why isn't, really, why isn't he doing something right now? But God's never late. We're early. Zachariah's there offering incense when suddenly the angel of the Lord comes. Says this in Luke 1, 13. It's, so the angel said, don't be afraid, Zacharias. I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I'll probably get in trouble for it, but anyway, that never happened before. Um, I mean, those are some of the stupidest words you could find in the Bible, aren't they? He's there doing his stuff, and an angel suddenly appears. Don't be afraid. Too late. <laughs> Too late. I need underwear. It's like, you know, I'm done. It's, it's like, you know, I'll definitely get in trouble for that. But, 
You know, it's like, it's, it's too late. I can, you know, don't be afraid, Zacharias. Oh, okay, everything's cool. Hello, Gabriel. For I've come to tell you that God has heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You're to name him John. See, this is interesting. They're an old couple now. Gabriel says God's heard your prayer. I'm, I'm going to bet that actually Zacharias hadn't been praying that prayer anymore for quite a while. Are you with me, what I'm saying? They had prayed it. They had prayed it. And Gabriel says, God heard your prayer. Here's the gap, right? They were praying. They were early. They were praying over here. God was going to meet the prayer, meet, answer their prayer over here. And, and, and the fact is, there was a gap. I don't think that, I don't think Zacharias and Elizabeth were praying for a child anymore. Lord knows what age they are. The Bible says they're old. Your definition of old varies as you get older yourself, doesn't it? <laughs> So I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how old they were. Your wife is going to have a child. And you know, Zacharias is maybe thinking, you know, thanks, but that ship sailed. Can I just remind you of this? Sometimes God waits for a situation to become impossible before he moves. Because when God moves in an impossible situation, he gets far more glory. Amen. You're going to talk about it for the rest of your life. This was a miracle. But when he does act, it's powerful. You're going to have a son. You're going to call him John. And just to link some things together here, John, who was born to Elizabeth and Zacharias, actually we know better as John the Baptist. So actually that child was going to be the person who prepared the way and announced the arrival of Jesus himself. God's never late. In fact, if you think about it, didn't the world need a Savior years before Jesus came? Like, didn't it need a Savior a hundred years earlier or a thousand years earlier? But here's what it says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. When the right time came, the time God decided on, He sent His Son. The right time is the time God decides on. And listen, that reminds us God is never late. So don't give up. Keep hoping. Keep hoping. And then this story with Elizabeth and Zacharias reminds me of this. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. I'm sure Zacharias and Elizabeth had given up. They were just going to end their days with the heartache of not having a child. It was physically impossible. It wasn't going to happen. In, in fact, you know, Zacharias, um, I guess, you know, not being, uh, not being a withdrawn kind of character, decided to point that out to Gabriel. Zacharias said to the angel, but this is impossible. I'm an old man now. My wife is also well along in years. That was very clever of him. He didn't call his wife old. That's smart. <laughs> I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. Here's... here's here, Here's, here's what, so here's what follows. So, so Gabriel, look, it can't happen. That is, that is not going to be. It's absolutely impossible. I love it because what comes next is that Gabriel gets really stroppy. It's, it's great. So, so Gabriel is here now and Gabriel says, 
So here's the response. Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. Who the heck are you? I'm Gabriel. Listen, I stand in the very presence of God. Hello. It was he who sent to you with this good news. And now because you haven't believed me, you're going to be stricken silent, unable to speak until the child is born. Look at this. For my words will certainly come true at the proper time. Some of you may be sitting here today looking at unfulfilled dreams. And you may think, God, you know, God, God really put them in your heart, or God said things to you that haven't come about yet. And I just want to remind you of this. God's words will certainly come true at the proper time. They must come true at the proper time. In Isaiah 55 and verse 11, it says this. God says, my word which goes from my mouth will not return to me empty. It will do what I want it to do and will carry out my plan well. So here's Zechariah not believing. The angel says, okay, believe this. You can't talk anymore now till the baby's born. So he finishes what he's doing in there and he's in there longer than anybody expected him to be and everybody's waiting outside and when he comes outside he's literally speechless. And he manages to convey something to them. He finishes off his week of duty at the temple. He goes back home to Elizabeth and she conceives. God answered her prayer. There's an interesting little aside here as well to me. It says that when she conceived, she hid herself for five months. Now, here's Elizabeth. What, what, are, we, what are we going to call her? What are we going to say? She's well on in years. I don't dare put a number on that because I don't want to offend any of you sitting here this morning. <laughs> She's well on in years. Let's just leave it there, shall we? She's well on in years, and eventually she starts to show that she's expected. Can you imagine? Now, back then they didn't live, you know, we're not talking about city life here, where you hardly know the person who, you know, suburban life even, where you hardly know the people next door to you and hardly get a chance to talk to them. We're talking about very small communities of villages and tiny towns where everybody knows everything. And if you ever lived in a small community, we have, you know the deal. Everybody knows everything about your business and what they don't know they make up, right? That's, <laughs> that, that's how small town life goes. So, so can you imagine the stir that would have cost, caused? It's like, Elizabeth looks like she's pregnant. What the heck is going on? Now, in, in 2021 in India, a lady of 74 years of age gave birth to twins. Now, forget the obvious question, what is the matter with her, right? <laughs> but that was through all kinds of artificial means and whatever else that was going on. But here we are back in Bible times, and here's, here's, this, here, here's this respected religious older lady in the community, and she's pregnant, and, and she hides herself for five months. People don't always understand what God is doing, and her neighbors certainly would have done. But here's the thing. 
Ultimately, she gives birth to a son whom God uses in a very special way. And I want to remind you all this Christmas time, as we remember God sent Jesus as the hope of the world, that with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. Now let's jump over to where we generally begin reading the Christmas story, to Mary. So, so here's, there was Elizabeth, and the, my main take from Elizabeth is, is, is don't give up, hope. And now here's Mary. And I think my main takeaway from Mary is dream big. There's hope. Dream big. She was a young woman just starting out. Okay, Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, the virgin's name, Mary. So, so here we are. So there's this young woman who generally thought to be around 15, 16 years of age. So it's a young girl who is living in a nondescript kind of small town called Nazareth. Now, we all know Nazareth because of the fact that Jesus grew up there. But Nazareth was kind of a nowhere kind of place. In, in fact, there was a time when Jesus just started his ministry when Philip came and, and found the Lord and knew he was the Savior. And he went to his friend Nathaniel and said, I found the Savior, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And in John 1, 46, it says, Nathaniel said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nazareth was nowhere. She was an insignificant young woman who lived in an unimportant town, dreaming of marriage to Joseph. They were engaged, which in those days was as binding basically as marriage was. If you were engaged, it was a done deal. You were committed and you were getting ready for the event and for the day. So here she was, her life was starting to shape up, hoping for a reasonable life, simple life, a good life, with no idea what God had in store for her. And here's a word to those of you that are younger or even that are not so young. Maybe you have no idea whatever what God has got in store for you because you think you're insignificant. You think you'd be unnoticed. In fact, it doesn't matter what age you are here this morning. There's the danger that you see yourself in that situation. Well, you know, I, I'm nobody, I'm not special, and you know what, I've got some hopes and some dreams for, for life. And, and, and basically, you're hoping for the mediocre, but God is planning the miraculous. I'll say that again. You're hoping for the mediocre, but God is planning the miraculous. I'm going to say that one last time. You know why? Because I really feel that, that, that there are some specific individuals that, that that's a direct word God wants to speak into your life right now. You are hoping for the mediocre, 
but God is planning for the miraculous. Dream big. But I will direct this specifically to teenagers right now and say to those of you that are in your teens at the moment, none of you is insignificant to God. None of you. You were made by God. You were made for God. Your life is a gift from God, and you have a unique God-given purpose that is bigger than you can imagine because the truth is nobody is nobody in the family of God. That's the reality. So the angel says, you'll become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. Wow, that was quite something. Here she was, just getting on with her mundane life in this little town. And suddenly the angel says, you're going to give birth to a son. His name will be Jesus. What if God wants to do things for you and with you that up to this point in time, you never even imagined. Hey, one of the best known verses in the Bible is Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, where it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plans for you are to prosper you. God's plans for you are to give you a hope. God's plans for you are to give you a future. And I don't mind what, care what age you are. I totally believe that God's plans for me at this stage in my life and for you at whatever stage you might be in your life, God's plans for me are to prosper me. God's plans for me are to give me a hope. And God's plans for me are to give you a, me a future. And I totally believe that the best years of our lives are still ahead of us. Dream big. Now, Mary wasn't as argumentative as Zacharias had been. The angel said, you're going to be pregnant. And Mary simply says to the angel, verse 34, uh, but how? I've never slept with a man. So that's her just simple, honest, realistic inquiry. So how can this happen? And then comes the reply, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Sometimes when God speaks hope to us, we look at it and say, yeah, how? Right, how? How? And here's the thing, going back to what Jesus said, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. We look at it on our level and say, but how? But God doesn't act on our level. God acts on his level. The Holy Spirit will overpower you. So how's this going to happen? Don't worry. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. That, folks, is really the secret. And so here's what Mary did. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. That was it. She said, okay, let God do what God wants to do. 
Dream big. And don't give up. Because there's hope. And God wants us to believe Him for things that are beyond our ability to pull off, but which are well within His repertoire. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing. The gift of hope. So it comes back to that key verse in Luke 1 and verse 37. With God, nothing will be impossible. Don't give up this morning. There's hope. Dream big. There's hope. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Thank God for Jesus, God's gift of hope to us. Amen. Let's pray together.